Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, welcome to the Roto Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Sammy Reed, and I am here solo. I'm here by myself. Uh, Davis Maddock had a family issue he had to attend to, and Nate Noling is out in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I can confirm for you that Nate is not taking full advantage of Las Vegas. I can confirm that he's not at the Spearmint Rhino. I can confirm that he is not uh, taking a trip to the Bunny Ranch. I can confirm that he's not even playing poker. So I hope that Nate is having a great time, but I'm imagining that he's, you know, walking around uh, just looking at bright lights and thinking about his database and drinking vodka Red Bulls. Uh, But we hope he's having a good time. So basically y'all are stuck with me here for the next half hour or so. And this is actually my first solo pod. Um, I've done like some videos and stuff like that by myself, but I've never like done a solo pod. So you're going to be here with me for that. And hopefully it doesn't suck too bad. Um, I listened to uh, Adam Levitan's solo pod and JJ Zacharyson's solo pod. And those guys are fantastic. Uh, I can only hope that I'm half as good and that this pod is not terrible. So We are going to do a couple of things. I'm going to talk a little bit just about the slate in general and what happened. Uh, Then I'm going to go over my cash game lineup on DraftKings as usual. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the wonderful Thanksgiving slate that we have because Thanksgiving is always a a pretty fire uh, occasion for DFS and, and really allows you to rail the games and ignore your family, which, I mean, let's be honest, that's kind of what Thanksgiving is all about. So let's get right into the slate. I feel like the quarterbacks on this slate were, I mean, they were just bad. Like it was a bad day for quarterbacks. Um, There were a lot of busts. I mean, if you look at the top 10 finishers in, in quarterbacks, not counting Thursday night with Big Ben, Kirk Cousins was the number one QB. Tom Brady, who is very popular, was number two. Then it went Carson Wentz, Drew Brees. And then it's like Fitzpatrick, Blaine Gabbert, Andy Dalton. Tyrod Taylor was number nine. Tyrod Taylor, who didn't even start the game, who didn't even play until the second half because the Bills thought it would be a great idea to bring in Nate Peterman. Um, and, and, and Peterman was so bad. I'm just, I think I should just call him Peterson because he doesn't really deserve to have his last name pronounced correctly. I mean, what were the Bills thinking? This was like a big thing on Twitter. It's like they're in the middle of a playoff race, in the middle of a playoff race, and the AFC is super woke. It's like they could easily get in if they just played well, and instead they take Tyrod Taylor, who, I mean, Tyrod is certainly not an elite quarterback, but he's like a a league average quarterback, and that has a lot of value. I mean, the guy can run. He doesn't turn the ball over, and he can throw a nice deep ball. 
and he was winning games for that team. And for whatever reason, he has one bad game, and they're like, you know what? We're going to get this dude Peterson in. Um, and they, they brought in Peterson, um, and he was completely awful. Uh, again, I'm pronouncing his name wrong because that's what he deserves. He was completely awful. He threw five interceptions, five, in the first half. In the first half, Tyrod Taylor had thrown three all season. And, I mean, at a point, like, you're mad at the Bills because they'd done this incredibly stupid thing. Um, but then, at a point, you're like, dude, like, they, they need to, like, go old yeller, um, old Peterson there. They need to take him behind the shed and just put him out of his misery. Like, this is really tough to watch. And, indeed, it was. Like, they, they put him in his first start on the road in San Diego against – the, the most fearsome pair of pass rushers, Mel, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, pretty much in the NFL. And things went predictably. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can only imagine what Peterson's thinking right now. You know, he's laying in bed and he's just like, dude, dude, I totally blew it. You know, this was not the way he was expecting things to go. Will he ever rebound? Will he ever be able to come back from this? I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Peterson's head. But... Uh, the Bills completely blew it. And so Tyrod Taylor came in and played one half and still finished as the QB9. So um, Tom Brady was a really popular option. Uh, he's one of the most high-owned quarterbacks, if not the highest-owned. And, you know, not a ton of people own Kirk Cousins. Not a lot of people. Obviously, Carson Wentz, not on the DraftKings main slate because they saw fit to uh, cut the Sunday night game out of there, which uh, is still woke. It's been a couple of weeks, and, you know, when they changed, when they got rid of the Monday night game, everyone was like, oh, you know, this sucks, and, you know, that's stupid. And then after a while, it was like, actually, that's not that bad. It's actually kind of cool. But we've had uh, quite a while with the Sunday night game lopped off, and it sucks. It's stupid. And they shouldn't do that. They should change it back. Anyhow, quarterbacks uh, were kind of rough. There were a lot of wide receivers that smashed. And if you picked the right ones, you did really well. Obviously, Antonio Brown was the number one, but he was on Thursday. So the number one for the main slate was Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen just had a monster game. He went 12 for 159 and two on 13 targets. And I mean, I think this was – I don't want to say it was predictable because I wasn't really on Keenan. Like, I considered him, and he was kind of at the same price point as Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, guys who I just liked a little more. And I was like, ah, you know, I'll just, I'll just forget about Keenan. And instead, he smashed. And he actually helped Drew Dinkmeyer, Dinkpiece, uh, take down a quarter million bucks over on FanDuel. Congratulations, Dink. Uh, Dink is a goat. He's really, really sharp. And he pivoted over to Keenan Allen, which was a great move. Keenan Allen has had some tough matchups of late, right? Um, he had to face the Jacksonville Jaguars not too long ago. Uh, he had to face, I believe, the Denver Broncos, uh, the New England Patriots, all those guys. And so he, he hadn't really been having a ton of production, and his targets had gone down a little bit since Mike Williams came back, and it was like, okay, is Keenan maybe not the guy we thought he was, this, like, you know, Golden Tate-type target monster. But he came back in a big way against Buffalo. He smashed. I wish I'd had some exposure. I did not. Adam Thielen uh, 
also goaded six for 123 in a touch. He had, I mean, he took a little, you know, six, seven yard hitch and juked out a corner out of his jock strap and took it to the hole. I think that was about 60 yards. So he didn't really have that monster of a game aside from that. But I mean, we can't just take that out. It was a great play by him. Good jukes and speed to the house. And Thielen has really become, I mean, he's famously got five or more catches in every game this year. He's really become the number one receiver for Minnesota. And I mean, Stefan Diggs, I mean, I have Diggs everywhere. I love Diggs coming into the season. I believe in his talent. I think he's fantastic. But they did something in the preseason that had an effect that we weren't quite sure how it would be, is that they kind of switched the two. I mean, Diggs was more of a slot guy last year. Thielen was an outside receiver. And they kind of switched the majority of their roles this season. And it's led to a lot more targets for Thielen. And it's led to quite a bit fewer targets for Stefan Diggs. Diggs is like, you know, kind of just hitting around six targets a game now. Thielen is just crushing. And his price had gone way up, and the Rams' defense is really good. So I didn't really have much Thielen either, uh, unfortunately. So he smashed. Brandon Cooks is a guy. He was extremely popular, and for good reason. I had a ton of Cooks, uh, both in cash and GPPs. He had a really monster game as well. Um, you know, he went for 6-149 in a touchdown on nine targets. This was a pretty predictable spot. The Raiders uh, just had a bunch of injuries at cornerback. They are brutal against deep balls, and Brandon Cooks' specialty is the deep ball. So it was kind of predictable that he'd smash. He wasn't like a contrarian player or anything, but uh, he was fantastic. And then the guy who kind of came out of nowhere. And I believe that Dink also had this guy on his quarter million dollar winning lineup was Kenny Stills, who got down for 180 yards and a touchdown. Jay Cutler got hurt, got concussed out. And all of a sudden things started going well for Miami. Matt Moore came in and Moore threw for like, I think it was like 280 yards and a half and did the things to Tampa that Jay Cutler should have. So Kenny still smashed as well um, when a lot of guys were looking more at Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker. So you had a bunch of those big performances from wide receivers. Uh, Fitz did really well. Devontae Adams had a big game. Marvin Jones had a big game. So these were guys that were found in the top 10. If you picked the wide receivers right, you did well because – the, the running backs really weren't that good this week, um, aside from the New Orleans running back tandem. And they did fantastic. Ingram had 134 yards rushing and a touch, added another three receptions for 21 on the ground. Alvin Kamara had, I mean, he had 14 total touches, six receptions. He had 116 total yards, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. They finished as the number two and number three wide receivers uh, running backs in PPR. The only guy who was better than either of those two all week was LaShawn McCoy, who, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Dink had him in that lineup too. I'm just looking at the top and, and Dink, it, he should change his name to Bink Piece because he just took the top guys at all positions because he's brilliant. But uh, LaShawn McCoy um, was... I mean, he was in an okay spot. I, I didn't really consider him that much. Probably should have. 
Um, the Chargers way better against the pass than they are against the rush. But, you know, I, I just thought we'd be facing some negative game script. Obviously, that could mean a lot of receptions for him. But I just wasn't that pumped. And maybe I should reevaluate that. Um, also on the list, Dante Foreman. Latavius Murray got in the zone twice. Foreman, unfortunately, I think tore his Achilles, I think was the injury. Uh, after he scored the game ceiling touchdown, very sad, good young player. That's something to monitor for Lamar Miller moving forward. He was the main guy who was taking touches from Lamar Miller. Uh, that's going to be kind of what uh, is going to happen to Samaj P. Ryan as well, who had a monster game. And P. Ryan, uh, Chris Thompson got snapped, broke his leg, unfortunately. He's going to have surgeries out for the season. And that left a ton of touches for Samaj P. Ryan and Washington. I mean, they, they actually choked. I mean, they should have won this game. I think at some point they said they had like a 98.9% uh, win probability, which <laughs> it, it depends how much stake you put in those win probability models. But Samaj P. Ryan had a monster game. And Rob Kelly's already on the IR. Chris Thompson going on the IR. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan is going to be getting a large portion of those touches, like probably all of them <laughs> moving forward. He had 23 rushes, 117 yards, and a touchdown, and did a touch of work uh, through the air. Only two targets, one catch for nine yards. But other than that, you know, we, we had a lot of guys bust. I think famously Kareem Hunt, and I'll talk about that when I get to my lineup um, in cash. As far as tight ends went, well, they all busted too. I mean, the only one who didn't bust was Travis Kelsey. Kelsey had a fine game against the Giants, which was pretty predictable. He was also the first uh, tight end, or at least the first, you know, top tight end against the Giants not to score a touchdown. But he still went eight for 109 on 14 targets. Uh, the other guys busted big. Gronk went three for 36, no touchdowns. Melvin Ingram had one catch for nine yards. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sterling Shepard wasn't even playing. And here's the crazy part. He got shut out earlier this year on only four targets when everybody else was out. And I don't know if there's something to that, if it's just a small sample deal or without the other good receivers there, teams are like totally clamping down on him. I wasn't paying that much attention to this game because it was a truly awful, an epically awful game. And, you know, it's, it's something that you would force your worst enemy to watch, a 12-9 to 9 game in the Meadowlands, Ben McAdoo against Andy Reid. Um, it was just a really, really terrible experience, and I didn't want to subject myself to that. So, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the top guys there, Zach Ertz, obviously not available on DraftKings, but on FanDuel, Zach Ertz did terrible. And the one saving grace, he was about to score a two-point conversion. He was just going to waltz into the end zone, and he got the ball popped out of his hand. Didn't get his two points. So good job, Ertz. Um, other than that, I mean, the, the, the defenses did pretty good. Um, Jacksonville smashed and the Chargers smashed. So those were two of, I think, probably the two most pop popular defenses. And if you didn't have them, you were kind of SOL. And uh, that's actually kind of what happened to me in cash. So let me, uh, let me take a swig of water and let's get into this cash lineup because this is going be, to be painful for me to talk to you about. But hopefully it's cathartic. Hopefully it helps me get over what happened to me today.
Okay. So let's talk about my cash lineup. First off, I mean, I went through a lot of different iterations. I was tinkering throughout the week. I thought it was a very difficult week for cash. Um, I ended up going with Tom Brady at quarterback, and that was a fine choice. Uh, he went 30 for 37, 339 yards, three touchdowns. Talked about Oakland's defensive backfield being very bad. Oakland also is very poor at putting pressure on the quarterback. Aside from Khalil Mack, they don't really have anything. And so you knew that Bill Belichick was going to help scheme Mack out of the game, give help on his side, because if, if he's not getting pressure, the Raiders are not getting pressure. And I think he ended up getting one sack later in the game, but overall Brady was pretty clean. He had a fantastic game. I think this was fully predictable. I'm not a big payup for quarterback kind of dude, um, but this week I just thought – I didn't like a lot of the lower price quarterbacks. There weren't many that I had a lot of confidence in. And I said, you know what? I'm going with big game Tom, dude. Let's go. And uh, Tom came through. So that was nice. I thought about not paying up a running back. I thought about not taking Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a good spot. I really did. The Giants are completely terrible. I thought that the Chiefs would control this game. And they did not. Um, and it was bad. Even so, I mean, Kareem Hunt still got 21 touches, right? He got 18 rushes for 73 yards. He got three catches for four yards. It's not even that bad. If you told me before the game, Kareem Hunt's going to get 21 touches, I mean, I would have I kissed you on the lips and said, hell yeah, put him in my lineup. Um, it just didn't work out. Uh, he, I mean, the, the Chiefs didn't, just didn't play good. I mean, that's all there is to it. Remember when we thought that the Chiefs were the best team in the NFL? Not so much anymore, man. They're six and four. They're okay. Um, there were a lot of people, at least I think there were people that played Alex Smith in cash. I think a lot of people got off when they heard about the win, which was really sad to me because I thought Alex Smith was a crap play um, even before I knew about the wind. So the fact that his ownership dropped because of it was sad to me. I guess we'll never know. But uh, I stand by that, that I was not interested in Alex Smith. The other two running backs I went with, uh, I ate a bunch of the bad chalk with sexy Rex Burkhead. And, I mean, I've been playing DFS for years, and it's like, come on, bro, when are you going to learn? You don't play Patriots running backs in cash. You just don't do it. And I still did it because I'm a huge fish. I have gills. I sleep with my eyes open. Um, I have scales. I start choking if I'm outside of water for too long. I can't breathe. I am such a fish. I played Rex Burkhead, and what happened? I think it was the first drive. It might have been the second. He fumbled. And Belichick yanks his ass out of the game, of course, because that's what Belichick does. He runs a tight ship. He doesn't horse around. Burkhead, you're freaking out of there, homie. He ended up not having the most awful game. He still ended up with six targets. He caught four of them for 21 yards, got five rushes. But, I mean, it was kind of the Deion Lewis show. Deion Lewis had four targets and four catches, including a touchdown catch, uh, which, I mean, Deion Lewis is a, is a really good pass catcher, but they haven't been using him like that all season. So I think that the four catches and targets were a season high for him. I think that probably cut into Burkhead's work. He obviously didn't get that much work after the fumble, even though he did come in and get some touches. But, you know, it's just one fumble ruined the whole thing for Burkhead. And it's just one of those things, dude, you think you have the Patriots backfield figured out, you don't. 
you don't. I'm talking to myself here because I'm an idiot for playing Burkhead in cash. He was 3.6. I, I thought it was solid, but I was wrong. And I'm sorry to myself. The third running back I went with, I ended up going with Chris Thompson. And I thought Chris Thompson was actually a really good play. Um, I did not write him up in my article for Roto Grinders, but I kind of started getting on him as the week went on. It just made a lot of sense that the Saints were solid home favorites. They were going to score a lot. This game rated to be a shootout. And that meant good things for Chris Thompson, who obviously with uh, Rob Kelly out, he was getting more work, larger share of the snaps, and was going to get almost all the passing down work. And in a game where they figured to trail, obviously that did not end up happening until the very end, but he still started off, you know, pretty hot. He had four carries for 17 yards. He caught a 16-yard touchdown pass on a nice wheel route, and things seemed to be going really well for Thompson. He had like 10.3 fantasy points through, I, I don't remember when he went out, but say a quarter and a half, something like that. So uh, I thought he was a really solid play at his price points. Um, really liked it. So it was kind of a bummer and it definitely hurt that he got hurt. Uh, it hurts him more. Really sucks. He was one of the true breakout performers of this year. It hurts the Redskins and, and you know, it sucks for him. So I hope he comes back. You know, this is part of fantasy, man. Guys get hurt. Sometimes they get hurt mid game when you have a lot of exposure and that's, that's what happened here. So I think he was well on his way to a bigger game. P Ryan ended up having a great game because he got all the touches. So that's what I did at running back. Would I do anything different? I mean, yeah, I stand by the Thompson play. Uh, I think I should not have played Rex Burkhead and I'm not just trying to be revisionist. You know, it's that whole Patriots running back thing, man. You just don't know. So don't do it in cash. You can do it in tournaments. Don't do it in cash. Kareem Hunt. Should he have been the high price play? Uh, I think there was certainly a case for Todd Gurley. Uh, Gurley didn't have a, a monster game either uh, by any stretch. He scored an early touchdown, but he only ended up with 14.6 points. Tough game on the road at Minnesota. They only scored that one touchdown. That was it. Um, I mean, I'd stand by Hunt as probably the best high-priced running back play. Obviously, McCoy went ham, and Fournette did really well. I had some Fournette exposure. I kept Fournette exposure in some GPPs, but I thought Hunt was was just a good cash play and uh, just didn't work out. So on to the wide receivers. The three receivers I used, Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Crabtree. So we talked about Cooks. Uh, he was widely owned in cash, and I don't think that's – I mean, he's kind of a boomer bust type of player, just that kind of archetype. But – it wasn't like he was 7,500. It's not like he was priced amongst the elite, right? I think he was 6,600. And I think that's, I mean, that's just a fine price for a guy in the spot that, that he was in. So um, I'm not bummed that I played him. I thought he was a good play. Obviously, he uh, smashed pretty well. So <laughs> obviously, I'm not bummed about that. But, um, you know, it, a lot of times you don't want to play like those GPP archetype guys in cash, but I just thought at that price point, the, the, the spot was so good, you know, you should play him. He was 35% owned. Uh, I'm just looking at the $25 single entry double up. He was 35% owned. So a lot of people were on that track. Uh, the second guy I used was Michael Crabtree and Crabs. 
He ended up with six catches for 51 yards. He ended up getting a two-point conversion. He had 11 targets. Was he a good play? I, I mean, I think he was. I actually preferred Amari Cooper slightly, but I didn't have the extra 100 bucks. I thought Crabtree was fine. It was fine. I mean, obviously, you know, in retrospect, I wish I'd gone with, like, Keenan Allen. Um, but, uh, I mean, Keenan, I forget what his price was. He was right around that price, but I don't even know that I had enough money for him. But um, I, I thought Crabtree was a fine play. If you told me he was going to get 11 targets because the Raiders were going to be down and have to throw the ball a lot, and, you know, against a Patriots defense, been playing better lately, but still not all that great. I mean, I would have taken it. So don't really regret that. DeAndre Hopkins was pretty contrarian. Um, he was only 13.6% owned, but I didn't really see why. Um, obviously, Patrick Peterson was going to shadow him. But, I mean, the the guy was like – number one in team target market share and he's way up there in like air yards and all, you know, he's number one in touchdowns. And it's like, this guy's great. I, I think when you're getting this kind of discount, he was right around six K I think 6.1. It's like, dude, this guy is like the number one, number two receiver in fantasy, him and Antonio Brown are neck and neck. You're not going to play him because of a tough cornerback matchup. Forget all that, bro. Forget all that. Like, don't overrate the matchup. When you get a giant price discount, if he was 7,800, I would have understood, hey, that's not an optimal spot for like, you can only fit one or two of these high price guys in your lineup. Not an optimal spot. That's fine. When he gets dropped that much, there's a pricing inefficiency. Not only is the public waiting it too much, but the site is rating it, uh, waiting it too much. And that, that's just not, that's a situation where you want to take advantage. So DeAndre Hopkins, he did fine. He got nine targets. That's exactly what I'm looking for. He only caught four of them, but for 76 yards and a touchdown, he paid his price off. He got three X. It was great. Um, I, I thought uh, when I first looked at this slate mid uh, at the beginning of last week, I was like, dude, he's a lock. Like, I, I don't care if he's facing Superman, like Superman shadowing him. I don't care. Like he's six grand and he's like the number one, number two receiver in fantasy. Like don't overthink this. I did not. That was a good choice. At tight end, I decided to fade the high price guys. I decided to fade Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski because I just liked the way that the rest of my lineup lined up. I didn't have to go with two punts. I didn't have to go with Burkhead and Bruce Ellington. And I didn't want to play Hopkins and Ellington together. I didn't want to have too much Houston exposure. That seemed bad. So when I settled on Hopkins, I said, you know what? I'm going to pay down at tight end when Jordan Reed was ruled out. I had another piece of uh, the tight end uh, in Vernon Davis, another piece of the Redskins. And Vernon's been smashing. He's been doing great since, um, you know, since Jordan Reed's been out. I mean, he's almost a lot for like 60-plus yards, right? The Redskins use the tight end quite a bit. And also you got Lattimore out there playing corner for the, the Saints. You figure that's going to take some attention off there. He's going to filter some targets elsewhere because people aren't going to target him now that much. Last two weeks with Reed out, Vernon Davis got nine and 11 targets, six and seven catches, 72 and 76 yards. Vernon Davis is like a big play threat also. He's got a lot of upside. So he was 4,600. 
I didn't like him that much less than like Gronk and Kelsey. I thought getting that kind of discount and being able to pay up at receiver for guys that I liked, I thought that was a good choice. He ended up with only six targets, which uh, I don't really know why he had that few. Uh, three for 67, 9.7 points. He didn't really pay off, but I'd do it again. Uh, I'm totally fine with that. So uh, let's let's go back. I mean, running back real fast. I talked about some other guys I forgot to mention, uh, guys we talked about earlier, Kamara and uh, Ingram. And I'm not a big Kamara in cash kind of guy. Maybe I should be, but I don't know, man. The, the guy's getting like, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he's getting like 14-ish touches a game, 14-15, which when he has that big price hike, he was like 7.5. That's just too much for those touches for me. Um, it just is. I know he smashed, and I know he's great. Like, Kamara's fantastic. You watch him play, you're like, dude, this guy's good as F. But I would have much rather played Ingram. Um, I think Ingram was in a great spot because he catches the ball too. But he also gets a lot more carries, a lot more usage. When they're ahead, he's going to get more usage. Um, you know, I'm looking for more touches. So, in retrospect, I mean, I said I'm happy with Hunt. I think I should have probably considered Ingram a lot more. Um, yeah, that was just a, it was just a bad move. But let's finish off with my coup de gras, the grand pooba of bad moves. I have three defenses that I like this week. I liked the San Diego Chargers, and they went ham. Obviously, they faced Nate Peterson. They went ham, obviously. They crushed it. Crushed it, son. The Jaguars were the other team. They were four grand on DraftKings. They were really expensive, but they were worth it. They were playing Cleveland. You know, Cleveland is the woke. Deshaun Kaiser is an idiot. And they're fantastic. That is such a good defense. It's so freaking good. They smashed too. They scored like 25 points. I had a lot of those teams in GPPs. But in cash, I went with what I thought was the best value. I don't even want to say it out loud. It like pains me, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it because it's my job. I played I played the Los Angeles Rams in cash games with real American dollars behind them, the LA Rams. So let me give you my rationale. The LA Rams came into this game number one in DVOA, number one of all defenses in the NFL in DVOA, and they were only 2,400. There were a lot of things not to like about the Rams. They were on the road. That's, number one, a bad thing. Number two, they were facing the Vikings. The Vikings, they almost never allow sacks. Case Keenum, for all his not being awesomeness, even though he's been really good this year, I kind of thought he'd turn into a pumpkin. I thought at some point when he played a real defense, you know, they were going to get after him. This isn't the Cleveland Browns who he liked tore up, right? This is the LA Rams. They're good as hell. And I thought he kind of turned into a pumpkin. He's only getting sacked like 2% of the time this year. So that was another red flag. But again, number one defense in DVOA, 2,400. I decided not to pay up because in general, I don't pay up at, at defense and special teams. And that really cost me this week. The, the, the thing about that is even when a defense has like touchdowns are super random, but even when a defense has a really good game, 
Dude, it's like, you know, 10, 11 points, something like that. Defense has a bad game. They get two or three. The difference isn't like all that crazy. It usually doesn't crush you, but it crushed me. This was really the difference between me and other lineups is that, you know, the Chargers and Jacksonville, who are like super popular with other people as well, scored like 25 points and the Rams scored zero, zero points, not one point. Not two points, not a half point. They scored zero. So that's what I got. I got a zero there. I ended up with 127 and a half in cash. Not good enough. Uh, got very little back. And, you know, that sucks, man. You know, I I did not start this season that well. Like the first like four weeks or so didn't do that well. And ever since then, I've been really hot. I've, I've been running good, but also I felt like I had a better handle on this season as things kind of came into focus. And for the last like six weeks, man, I've been crushing, I've been doing great. And, uh, and, and it sucks to have this kind of misstep. It hurts, but this is a, this is DFS, man. This is how it goes. You have your ups and downs and you, you you do your best to make good decisions. And that's why we go over our lineups here. So that's my lineup. Let us move on and talk about the Thanksgiving slate. Let's talk about some fun things. Uh, again, Thanksgiving slate is a great opportunity to do some gambling. I think that you get a lot of loose action on Thanksgiving. You have a lot of people who are like, hey, you know, let's just get into this. I'm not, I don't even have draft, uh, FanDuel up, but on DraftKings, there's some really cool stuff. There's the Wishbone that has a million, 1.5 million in the, in the kitty, $20 buy-in. You got the mini Wishbone for three bucks. If you're a baller, you can throw some entries in that 333 Wildcat. And then you have the three-entry max, uh, the, the 200K backyard for 33 bucks. And I'm probably going to throw, I'm probably max that thing out. Um, we'll see about the 333. I don't know if I'm feeling froggy or what. But there's some cool tournaments. And I don't really play cash on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I think it's just kind of a GPP slate, so we'll kind of – go at it from that perspective. Obviously, there's three games on Thanksgiving, if you're not aware. I will uh, relate those to you now. Early in the morning, at least on the West Coast, at 9.30, Minnesota at Detroit. That opened up even money. Uh, no favorite there. The early afternoon game, again, West Coast, Best Coast, Chargers at Dallas. That actually opened at even money as well. And then the night game is the Giants at the Redskins, Washington favored by eight and a half. So I think these are all actually pretty good games, except for maybe the night game, but that'll be a, a nice hammer because we're going to jam in a bunch of Redskins. So it'll be great. Um, let's just go through really fast. Uh, I don't know how long this pod has been, but I'll just go through really fast and talk about you know some of the, some of the stuff that jumps out to me. Uh, I haven't done a lot of deep research on this yet, but you know, I took like 15 minutes looking over it. So I'll just give you some quick thoughts at quarterback. I think the guys that I like the most Kirk cousins and Matt Stafford, um, Kirk cousins, he's the most expensive guy. I think he's in the nuttiest spot against the New York giants. This isn't Andy Reed here on the road, right? This is Kirk cousins. Who's like an actual good quarterback. He's not Alex Smith. Um, Andy's at home. I think that the Giants defense came to play, but also the Chiefs were really stupid in a lot of things they did, like that deep Kelsey bomb 
Oh, that was egregious. Super egregious. I forgot about that when I talked about Kelsey. Minus, minus points for you, bud. It was a nice spiral, you know, but he, but he led it to the inside like way too much, man. He had him. Anyways, uh, Kirk Cousins, I, I think he's the guy I'm going to have the most exposure to. I'll probably pay up. A lot of the other guys have warts. I like Matt Stafford. I really like him as a player. Uh, he kind of, when he first got into the NFL, he was really kind of this like back foot throwing gunslinger. And he's gotten so much better. His footwork and his smarts, I mean, if you watch him just from a real-life perspective, I mean, he's, like, close to a top-five quarterback in the NFL. I'm not joking with you. Like, I've just been so impressed with the way he's played this year. Minnesota's a really tough draw. He's a really tough draw. That's a really good defense over there. But Xavier Rhodes left the game today, or Sunday, and – I'm not sure if he came back. I didn't see, uh, and he might be out this week. I really don't know. Keep an eye on that. But if he's out, I think that really opens things up for Stafford. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'd also consider Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak has looked really bad the last two weeks without Zeke and Tyron Smith. I think that Smith is the bigger issue. Um, It's not like the Dallas running game has been bad. Alfred Morris is running for like almost five yards a pop both games but they've been in bad game scripts. Dak hasn't played that well, but there's also been a lot of pressure on him, right? When you look at the two games he's played, the first one that he played was against Atlanta and Claiborne just wrecked Chaz Bell or whoever the hell it was at left tackle. He just got wrecked, man. He got put into the ground by Adrian Claiborne. And then obviously in this last game, you have the Philadelphia defensive line, which is a group of freaking piranhas. And so, you know, they, they got Molly Watt, the, the, the Cowboys did. So if Tyron Smith is back in, I actually think this is a spot where you can get Dak back in um, and try to take advantage. It's not a great matchup against the Chargers, but I think a lot of people will be off Dak Prescott. A bunch of the fish in the public are going to be like, no, Zeke, Dak Prescott sucks. That's literally the way people think. So I think it's a sharp move to get some exposure there uh, if that situation changes. Phil Rivers, uh, he's okay. I'm, I'm not in love with him. But Case Keenum, yeah, he's okay. Not in love with him, but he's cheap. I mean, you can you can definitely do that and get a little like Keenum stack going on. But uh, the guys I like the most, Cousins and Stafford. Going over to the running backs, the running back is probably my favorite position on this slate. Uh, I'm probably not going to pay 8100 for Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, he's losing snaps and touches to, to Eckler. Uh, so he's not like that huge volume monster. He was earlier in the year. I know he's coming off a nice game, but I think there's so many guys right around this 5k range that I'm pretty pumped on, man. Uh, number one, Alfred Morris. I'm, I, I, I'm big on Alfred Morris, right? Alfred Morris has actually had a pretty tough draw since he came back. We just talked about the matchups at Atlanta and versus Philadelphia. And he's run for like almost five yards a pop. So uh, when you get in a situation where the Chargers are not nearly as good against the run, they just got torched by McCoy. We just saw that. Again, if Tyron Smith is, is back in, even more of a benefit. But even if he's not, I think Alf Morris is in a really good spot. He's only 4.8. Fantastic. Uh, I think Samaj P. Ryan is probably a lock. I just uh, – he's like the chalk I will eat. I don't see – any like reasonable reason not to have him in like all your lineups 
um, except, you know, like some game theory just to hedge or whatever, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to play P. Ryan everywhere. He's 5K. He's 5K. He's going to get pretty much all the touches for a team that's 8.5 point home favorites. And I mean, I don't know if you're like, if you're one in the, in, in some of the smaller tournaments where there's like hundreds of thousands of people and it'll be so chalky, like you might just want to get off him for, for those reasons, just to like give yourself leverage over the field. But I think he's ostensibly like the best play. Uh, and then I like Jarek McKinnon a whole lot. Jarek McKinnon has had a couple of small games in a row. So I think people are going to be off him, but I mean, since, uh, since Dalvin cook went out, I know he's not the the goal line guy, so that sucks. But he's still averaging 18.3 touches per game. 18.3 touches per game since Dalvin Cook went out. 13.8 carries a game, 5.7 targets per game, 4.5 receptions per game. And you know he's a spark athlete. He's got big playability. The, the Lions are not that great on defense. I mean, they're all right, but they're certainly not good. So I really like Jarek McKinnon. I think that he'll have scant ownership. I think he's a great tournament play. Wide receivers. Uh, There's a number of good wide receiver options. I mean, this is a good fantasy slate. Let's be honest. I I really like it. Uh, At the top, Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen. This is probably where I'm going to either, you know, win a bunch or lose a bunch. My initial thought is that I'm going to, like, full fade both Thielen and Allen. And that's super scary because they're both fantastic players. I think they're in money spots. I think they're both great players. Um, But they're coming off huge games, and I think they'll see big ownership. And one of my favorite uh, pivot spots here is to gain leverage off of Thielen by going with Diggs. Uh, I I think Diggs' talent is elite. And it's one of those things. When you have two receivers on the same team that are like 1A and 1B, like think of, you know, like the Raiders, right? Or even the, the Lions, right? With Tate and Marvin Jones, people tend to gravitate, the ownership tends to gravitate toward the guy who's coming off a big game, who's been hot lately the last couple of games. And obviously that's Adam Thielen. I think Thielen obviously is a favorite to outscore Diggs. He's probably a three to two or a two to one favorite to outscore Diggs at this point. He's seeing a lot more volume, but I don't think he's, I think the ownership will be that much more, right? Just pot odds wise, I think we'll see like Thielen out, out do digs by like more than two to one. And I mean, I don't know, look at your local, you know, uh, ownership projections. Cause I'm self-admittedly awful. I'm like the worst person you should ever ask about ownership. I really am. I have no idea, but that's just my thoughts. That's like my favorite leverage spot right there is going digs over Thielen. Sterling Shepard didn't play uh, this weekend because of migraines. And hopefully he's back. Hopefully he's back off his migraines. And if he is, the Giants are slated to trail in this game against Washington. Washington not that strong over the middle. Uh, A couple of their linebackers are out. Uh, if he sees like coverage from like Swearinger, who's just a woke Swearinger is like one of my like least favorite players in the NFL. Every time I watch him, he's doing something stupid. Like he's an idiot. So I, I want some exposure against him. Sterling Shepard, a uh, big fan of him and Golden Tate. I mean, Golden Tate's like kind of underpriced. He's only 6.2. 
he's only 6.2. Like, why is he only 6.2? I don't know. But at home, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> in a dome against Minnesota, kind of tough. But Minnesota, I mean, you know, Xavier Rhodes, if he's in, is more of an outside cover guy. I think that Tate for 6.2 is just a money spot. So you got Des Bryant who, you know, I don't know. He's, he's seeing a lot of targets, so maybe he hits pay dirt. I think he's a fine choice for 6.4. But I think I'm probably going to gravitate toward this middle tier of like $6,000 plus receivers on DraftKings. Guys that potentially uh, could go off, uh, I think Kenny Galladay is a guy that is a big play kind of dude. Um, and then Josh Dotson. These guys are both around four grand. Galladay's 3.8, Dotson's 4.7. Those are like my lower owned guys that I like a lot. And Marvin Jones Jr., uh, that kind of depends on Xavier Rhodes. But uh, if Rhodes is out, I'll have a lot more Marvin Jones. Tight end wise, great options at tight ends. And uh, if Jordan Reed is out, I think Vernon Davis is pretty nuts. I mean, any tight end against the Giants is fantastic. Vernon Davis talked about his big playability and his volume earlier. So if Reed is out, I don't see any reason not to go with Davis. And then the guy that I really like, and I might just play both of them, like Davis uh, and Evan Ingram. Uh, Ingram's just a guy that I really like. I, I loved him going into this week. He stunk it up. I don't know why, but... I mean, look at it. It's like a lot of people are going to see one catch for nine yards and be like, you know what? I'm not going to play that guy. And that's the situation. Not, nothing's changed with Ingram. He's the same guy, right? He just had a bad game. So I think you'll see some depressed ownership off of him. So those are the two guys I like the most. I think the dart throw is probably Kyle Rudolph, right? Again, getting some leverage maybe off of Thielen. If you want to be contrarian and you want to do a stack with Case Keenum, Get it going with Diggs. Get it going with Rudolph, something like that, to, to make it contrarian. Um, as far as defense special teams, you are on your own. I don't really care. The Cowboys the Cowboys kind of stand out. They're only 2.5. They're at home against the Chargers. Who are, I mean, the Chargers are fine, but, you know, if you're looking to save salary, that's great. I think, obviously, the top play is the Redskins, and I think that the Vikings are pretty viable as well at 3.3. Uh, I told you I like Detroit. I do. But the Vikings defense is super good. So if you want to get Detroit guys out of your lineup and you want to go Vikings heavy, get you some McKinnon and Vikings, get a little stack going that way. That's it. That's it, you guys. I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I hope that you win lots of money. Uh, Actually, I mean, I hope I win lots of money. But if I don't, I hope that you do. I hope this pod didn't suck. Uh, I felt myself rambling a little bit. But you know what? We got through it. Thank you so much for being here for my very first solo pod. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Take care from me, from Nate, from Davis here at Roto-Grinders. Happy Thanksgiving.